When I was in college, I lived in an apartment, and we affectionately called it the Woo. I don't know how the Woo got its nickname, but it was the Woo, uh, and that's what we knew it as. The Woo was spotless when we moved in, but it didn't take long for that to change. In fact, the Woo was so bad that I even went down to buy black shower curtains. That way we didn't have to wash the shower curtains as often. It holds a lot more mold when it's black. And so that was our, that was our mindset. Uh, when Darcy and I got married, there was no doubt that we weren't going to live in the Woo. So we moved into a different apartment. The only thing was, the same company owned the same apartment. Uh, and so it was a different apartment, but it was the same. Uh, we lived in a college town, so a lot of our neighbors were college kids. And so we had all of the, the same college activities going on around us. And as we started adding kids to our family, uh, my wife decided that living in an apartment the rest of our lives probably wasn't a good idea. Uh, she said, I think we really need to look into getting a home. Well, she had this car that uh, I thought maybe we needed a new car before we got a new house. But uh, she was pretty sure that the house needed to come before the car. And that was her mindset. And she said, uh, we don't have a yard here. And I said, exactly. <laughs> That's the best thing about apartment living. I don't have to mow. I don't have to rake. I don't have to, to pick up. And, and true kids and dogs need apartments, but I mean, need yards, but the apartment's okay. So after some consideration, we did find a house and and did move in. I was thinking about that this morning as, as we continue our journey through 2 Corinthians. We've been moving by and moving through verse by verse. Last week we finished up chapter 4, and this morning we find ourselves on the edge of chapter 5. And as we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this morning we want to examine these first eight verses of 2 Corinthians 5. And in these verses this morning, uh, Paul's discussion is on our heavenly dwelling place. And he's looking at and he's focusing on our heavenly home. Now we can be tempted to be comfortable in this world. We can be comfortable living in tents or living in apartments. But we need to have a mindset that's looking forward to our heavenly home. And that's what Paul is reminding us of here in this passage. So if you don't have your Bibles open already to 2 Corinthians 5, uh, turn there now and we'll look at verse, verses 1 through 8 this morning. I'll read them aloud to you and you can follow along with me in your copy of the scriptures. Uh, I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning. It says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, 
we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Now, as we dive into this passage this morning, there are going to be three headings that we use to kind of steer us and help us through this passage. The first thing we see is in verse 1, and Paul speaks of this dwelling contrast. And the second thing we see in verses 2 through 5 is the dwelling contemplation. And in verses 6 through 8, we see the dwelling courage. Now, before we dive into this this morning, let's just pray. Father, we're grateful for this morning that you've given to us. And Lord, as we have your word open on our laps this morning, I pray that your word would speak to our hearts this morning. I pray we would be able to drink in what you have for us. I pray, Lord, you'd give me the mind and the thoughts to think and the, my heart. And, and Lord, just give me what you'd have us to hear. I pray, Lord, that if there's anything that I share that's not of you, that it would be quickly forgotten. But I pray, Lord, the things that I share that are of you, I pray those would find a resting place in our hearts this morning and that we would be able to leave here this morning knowing that we've heard from you. Uh, Lord, I'm just, a, I'm just a man. There's nothing that I have that's any value. And, but Lord, we know that your word is of eternal value. And I pray we would hear that this morning and recognize that this morning. And we pray these things in your son's perfect name. Amen. Now, as we dive into this passage this morning, the first heading we want to look at is the dwelling contrast. And Paul gives us a dwelling contrast right here in verse 1. Now, notice what he says as verse 1 begins. He says, for we know. Now, as I was beginning to study this, I kind of just went past this phrase, for we know, and, and just kind of went on to the next part. But as I looked at this, and as I thought on this for a bit, this, this phrase that's used here means confidence. This is not, hey, we've got a really good idea. Hey, we have a sinking suspicion. Hey, there's a thing that we're not real sure about, but this is what we think. That's not the word that he uses here. This is a word of confidence. He's saying, for we know. And this means it's with a, without a shadow of a doubt. There is certainty that's here. Uh, Paul has this knowledge, and this knowledge has been shared with him. This knowledge has been shared with us. And this knowledge has come to him from God. That's how we know this. That's how he has such great confidence in this, because this was something that came to him by divine revelation and informed him of this. And so he says, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed. Now, as we think about this, Paul speaks of the tent. Now, remember that Paul was a tent maker. And so Paul uses this tent illustration here. Uh, you've had some pastors in the past that have been Schwann's men in prior lives. And they share Schwann's illustrations uh, too much and too frequently. And it drives us nuts. But we know that that's kind of the way that, that helps us to understand. So Paul, being a tent maker, he is thinking through this process of a tent maker. And as he does this, he's using the tent idea as a metaphor representing our earthly lives and our earthly bodies. Now, a tent is temporary housing. Tents are made of cloth or vinyl or, or nylon. They wear out eventually. I mean, even a good sheep herder's tent will wear out after a period of time. 
That's just the way they do. They're, they're not permanent. They are, they are temporary. You can patch them, but even after a while, patches become places where patches were, and it deteriorates the whole tent. And so Paul says, we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, he knows that these tents we now live in, these things are just temporary. Right now, our soul and our spirit lives in these earthly tents. And these earthly tents have been infected and they are infested with sin. And sin happens to be worse than termites. But that's what we've been infected with. Romans 5 verse 12 says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. We all have sinned. And because of Adam's choice to rebel against God, even though God gave him a warning, Adam still rebelled. And as a result of that, Adam was affected by sin, and he began to die physically. He died spiritually immediately, but he began to die physically. And because God did not want him to live in the Garden of Eden forever and have eternal life in that broke-down body, God kicked him out of the Garden of Eden and didn't let him have access to the Tree of Life. And so... Adam, as he moved out of the garden, he began to die physically. And as a result of sin, that's what we have. That's what we inherited from Adam, is that body that's full of sin, contaminated, that's been affected by sin. And so these earthly tents will be destroyed. Now this word that's used here for destroyed means folded up. How fitting is that? Our tents, one day, are going to have to be folded up. That's, that's what happens when we, when we take down a tent. We fold it up. One of these days, these earthly tents are going to be folded up. Now notice what he says next. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This is the contrast. We have this earthly tent or we have this building that's from God. A building is something that is secure, something that is that is permanent. When I was a kid, we had a tent and it was one of those sheep herder tents. And those sheep herder tents are ginormous and our family of four would pile in there and all of our stuff and and we had room to, to play baseball in. It's just ginormous. So we decided to go to Flaming Gorge and go fishing. Now, I know you don't know where Flaming Gorge is. Maybe some of you do. But I'll give you one word. Wyoming. <laughs> what else starts with a W besides wind? Wind. Wind. That's why Wyoming starts with a W. Because wind does. And so we're in Flaming Gorge. We've just been fishing all day. And we're in the middle of the night. And my dad wakes us all up. 
And my dad is in the starfish position. He's holding down the tent. And the wind is picking the tent up. Now, my dad's not a large man. He's just maybe 225 to 230. And then we were in there with him. And we were leaving the ground in this tent. And so my grandparents are in their motorhome parked right next to us. And my dad says, I'll hold the tent down. You guys make a run for it. So we did. <laughs> and my grandpa sleeps without that, uh, what's that called? Hearing aid. <laughs> so there's all of us orphaned children banging on the side of the camper. Thankfully, my grandma was there. We got in the camper and my mom said, never again am I staying in a tent. And there was a fact. <laughs> we got home and bought a camper. <laughs> tent living is not for us. Now as we think about this, and as we think about living in a tent, buildings are far better. Buildings are more secure. Buildings are more permanent. And notice it says, we have a building from God. This is God. And this is speaking of our, our glorified bodies. And Paul is looking forward to the time when we will leave these bodies and when we will get our glorified bodies. 2 Corinthians 4.14 says this, Knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into His presence. So he's looking forward to that, that time when we receive those glorified bodies from God. Uh, the temporary is done away with and the permanent is what is received. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 53. And Paul says this, For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And that's what Paul is looking forward to. That glorified body, that glorified state, that's what he is looking for. And so this is the contrast that he gives us between these earthly bodies that are going to break down due to sin and that glorified body that we can look forward to having once the rapture takes place and we receive that new glorified body. That's what Paul is looking forward to. Now notice the contemplation that he shares in verse 2. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Paul says, in this tent we groan. In this temporary body we groan, desiring to depart from this body, looking forward to when we have that new body. And this was Paul's mindset. As we look at Paul's ministry, this was Paul's mindset through all of his ministry. Uh, this is in Philippians 1, verse 21. He says this, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I'm going to be moving out of this temporary home. And I'm, I'm this temporary tent, and I'm going to move into my eternal home. Talk about gain. Move out of that two-bedroom apartment. Move into that four-bedroom home. 
That's what we're looking forward to. If I am to live in the flesh, it means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Paul was saying, you know what? This tent living is not what it's cracked up to be. But I'll stay here and do the work that Jesus has for me. But what I'm longing for, what I'm looking forward to, is that time when I'll receive that new glorified body and I'll depart from here. And notice it says, in this tent we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. This word for longing here just means a strong desire. He had a strong desire. There was this longing in his earthly body, longing for that eternal body. Uh, as ambassadors, we are to be looking forward to that heavenly dwelling place. That should be our mindset, just as it was Paul's mindset. That should be our mindset. Now notice verse 3. He says, if indeed, by putting it on, we may not be found naked. Paul now moves from this tent illustration to a clothing illustration. Some look at death and they see the leaving of the body as a step from being in this current state of clothing into a point of being unclothed. And there's a fear there or there's a mindset there that they will remain just as soul and spirit unclothed and without a body. Our glorified body will be given to us at the rapture. Now, once we step out of these earthly bodies and we pass away and we go into the presence of the Lord, we'll receive a temporary body that we'll be able to be in the presence of Christ. But our glorified bodies are going to be put together at the rapture. We looked at this when we talked about 1 Thessalonians 4 in our journey through 1 Thessalonians. It said this, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. There's that glorified body. And I don't know how it's going to happen, but we'll be in heaven in the presence of Christ. And when that time comes, our soul and spirit's going to come part way, and then our new glorified body's going to meet up with us, and we're going to be there in the presence of Christ. And those of us who are left, our immortality, our mortality is going to be taken and consumed <laughs> by immortality, and we're going to be caught up at the same time. And we are going to be in the presence of Christ. What an amazing thing. And Paul is looking forward to that glorified body to that time when he will be in the presence of Christ. Now look at verse 4. He says, For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Paul just reiterates what he's just shared with us. He's not looking for that 
that soul of unclothedness. That's not what he's anticipating. He's looking forward to the time when he is going to be in his glorified body. He's looking forward to the time when that mortal body will be swallowed up by immortality. Now, Paul is not looking at this and saying, man, I can't wait to get a new body because I'm tired of these old knees and I'm tired of this old hip and I've got to drag this one leg. Uh, Paul's not looking forward to that part. What Paul is looking forward to is in that glorified body, he is going to be sin free. He is going to be without sin and he's going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. That's what he's looking forward to. And he's looking forward to it and, and recognizing that that could happen at any time for him. And so he wants to finish the race. He wants to run the race and get that glorified body. And that's what he's looking forward to. That's the race that he's running. Now look at verse 5. It says, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. In eternity past, God called us to salvation. Ephesians 1 tells us before the foundation of the world, God chose us. He chose us for salvation. That's what God has done. And in that choosing of us for salvation, He has prepared us for glorification. You see, God could have called us, God could have chose us and just let us be. And hey, there you are, do the rest on your own. But God has come and, and chosen us and He's preparing us so that we can finish the race. It's not enough just to get us to second grade or, or not enough just to get us to middle school. He's making sure that we enter kindergarten and that we graduate. And you know what? Graduate on time. Not a GED with a, with a few years to wait. He's wanting to make sure that we start school and we graduate on time. That's what God has done for us. This is what Paul shares in Romans 8. Verse 28, I skipped you. Romans 8, 28 says this. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he called, and those whom he called, he justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's us. That's us. Called, justified, glorified. That's what God has done for us. God's plan was not to save us and let us be. God saved us to move us to glorification. It doesn't matter our spiritual growth. It doesn't matter our spiritual service. Glorification will be the result of those who are saved. Does this mean that we don't seek to grow spiritually? Does this mean that we don't seek to serve God? That's not true at all. But our glorification is not based on that. 
rewards, which we'll talk about next week, will be based on that. But our glorification will not be based on that. Because we entered into this process, we will be glorified. Glorification will be the result. And notice what he says here. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who's given us the Spirit as a guarantee. The Holy Spirit has been given to us as a guarantee. He's a down payment. When we purchase something and they require a down payment, we can make payments after that, but there has to be a, a down payment. We pay that down payment and that assures them that we'll pay the rest of it off. The Holy Spirit is that down payment for us. The Holy Spirit moves in us and indwells us and that's our reassurance that we're going to graduate. That's our reassurance that we're going to get that glorified body one day. The Holy Spirit is that guarantee. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says this, And who has also put His seal on us and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. That seal shows ownership. That seal shows we belong to God. That seal shows that we have graduation to look forward to. We have glorification to look forward to. That's what we have. And the Holy Spirit is that guarantee. So that's the contemplation that Paul takes. Now look at the courage. The courage that he has is a result of all of this that he's just shared with us. Look at verse 6. So, we are always of good courage. So, therefore, he's just shared with us in these first five verses, this glorification process. So, therefore, we are always of good courage. In the face of death, Paul was of good courage. For Paul's life was all about running the race, but it was all about finishing the race. Why run it if you're not going to finish it? And Paul was all about finishing the race. There was no need for him to worry about the middle of the race because his focus was on the end of the race. I may have to go up hills and around trees and down valleys, but I'm looking for graduation. I'm looking for the finish line. I'm looking forward to the glorification. This is Paul as he writes this letter to Timothy. And Paul is near the end of his life here in 2 Timothy. And he says this, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to, to all who have loved his appearing. Paul sees the finish line. It's about to be over. But you know what? I've run the good race. I'm ready to finish the race. This is what I've been doing. This is why I've been running. This is why I'm here. Because I want to finish. And he's looking forward to that crown that he's going to receive. He wants to finish. He's ready to finish. Notice what he says in verse 6. We know that while we're home in the body, 
we're away from the Lord. While we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. Paul did not see this as a valuable trade-off. Why would I remain in this tent when I can have a home given to me by God? Why would I remain in this body that is decaying when I could have a body that's going to be glorified, that's going to be eternal? There's no debate here. There's no debate. He knows what's going to be his. If he is home, if he's home, he's going to be with the Lord. While he's here, he's away from the Lord. He did not see that as a good thing. Notice verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Paul served an invisible God. And he was looking forward to that finish line. That's what he was looking for. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says this. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Paul had not seen that glorified body yet. Paul had, had not passed over that finish line yet. But he had this assurance. He had this certainty. He could say, we know. Because God had revealed this to him. Now notice verse 8. Yes. We are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. This is just in case you fell asleep during verse 6. He wants to make sure that you were listening. Maybe you dozed off or maybe you misunderstood. He wants to make sure you understand. Yes, we are of good courage. We would rather be away from this body and at home with the Lord. Read my lips. Away from this body means home with the Lord. And that's what he was looking forward to. You know, it's great for us to go on vacation. Don't we love being on vacation? I mean, that's a good thing. But isn't that first night back in your own bed just amazing? Especially if you have one of those sleep numbers. I don't, but I've read articles about it. I don't have a sleep number. I do have a my pillow that I do have to carry with me on vacation now. And I have the my pillow and it helps. But man, there's just something about curling up in my bed. And, and you know, my toes still hang off. I don't find hotel beds any longer. My toes still hang off. But man, there's just something about the place where my toes hang off. It's just nice. It's just nice. And I sleep hard. It's just something about being home. Paul says, you know what? Right here where I'm at, I'm busy doing what the Lord would have me to do. But it's vacation. I'm going home. And I can't wait till I'm back home. That's where my goal is. Yes, you heard me right. Vacation is nice. But there's nothing like home. 
Almost wants to make you put on red slippers, doesn't it? There's no place like home. There's no place like home. This was even before Kansas was invented. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. That's where Paul's mindset is. There's nothing like home. Why is home so spectacular? Is it because the streets are paved with gold? Is it because there's jewels there? Is it because there'll be no more crying? Is it because my knees won't hurt? Is it because there's going to be golf and there's going to be darts? Is it because we're going to play lawn darts on the golf course? Is that why heaven is so great? Is that why he's looking forward to that? Not at all. John 14 says this, Jesus speaking. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it weren't so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. You see, that's the best part about heaven. Because for the first time, we're going to experience what it is to have fellowship with God without these sinful tents being in the way. We're going to be able to enjoy fellowship with God just as we were designed to enjoy fellowship with God. The things of this world are going to go strangely dim and we're going to be in the presence of Him. And we're going to say, hey, I'm finally home. I'm finally home. And that is going to be the best part. No wonder Paul could say in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Because for Paul, all death was, was that dinner bell. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. And so he was busy about his work because his mind was set on that next stage. His mind was set on the next chapter when I'm going to get to go home. When I'm going to get to go home. So there you have it. Paul, looking at this future dwelling, contrasting that future dwelling with the temporary dwelling that he was now in, <coughs> contemplating and why he had so much courage in that future dwelling place. So what do we take home from this? What do we apply to our Sunday afternoon? I heard a story about a Sunday school teacher and she was teaching her kids about heaven. And she asked the class, who wants to go to heaven? And everybody raised their hand, except for little Billy. You know, little Billy's always the one, isn't he? <laughs> little Billy didn't raise his hand. So she asked again. She shared about all that heaven was, and she said, who wants to go? And everybody raised their hand. They're even more excited, except for Billy. He didn't raise his hand. She said, Billy, don't you want to go to heaven? And he goes, yeah, I want to go someday. I thought you were getting up a load to go this afternoon. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
as ambassadors of Christ, we have a duty. We've been called to serve God as his ambassadors. And while we're here, while we have breath in our lungs, that should be our mindset. Right now, I'm serving you. This is what I'm doing. But while I'm here, I have my mindset on the other side. I may not be ready to get a group up and go right now, but if it's time for me to go right now, I'm ready because I know what is on the other side. And if we have that mindset of the finish line, then the things that we do for the Lord here, we are going to be doing the things of the Lord right here because we know this is just temporary. We know that this old tent is wearing out some days more so than others. We may not be able to do things like we used to do. That's just a sign that the tent is wearing out. Our mindset needs to be on that other side. When we move out of this tent and when we move home and when we hear a well done, good and faithful servant. As ambassadors, that needs to be our mindset. What is our mindset? Do we prefer tent living over house living? Sometimes we can get comfortable living in our tents, especially when we have that Cabela's four-bedroom tent. We can, we can get excited about that. And we live in that tent and we're just like, you know, this tent or this apartment is enough. Who needs a yard? I have all of this. But this is not what we're here for. This is just temporary. Since God has put us into the game, this has been the reminder all along, this is just temporary. That's what we're looking forward to. A hundred years right here in this tent is nothing compared to all of eternity living in that house. And that's what our mindset needs to be on, is that eternal home. Do we live as if we're ready to go home today? Paul did. They may kill you today, Paul. Oh, well, that's what I'm looking forward to. They may make fun of you, Paul. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to that, not this. This is just temporary. This is all it is. They're going to beat you one last short of 40. Oh, well, that's just temporary because that's what I'm looking to. This was Paul's mindset. This needs to be our mindset as ambassadors. So that we too, as ambassadors, can be of good courage. Because our mindset should be that we would rather be away from these bodies and at home with the Lord. I often think about those loved ones who went on before us. And I think, man, I'd love to see them one more time. But if they're in the presence of God, they're seeing everything as they should see everything. They don't want to come back. Because they're there in the presence of God. Seeing what they should be seeing. That should be our mindset. Looking forward to that time when we too will be absent from the body. And at home with the Lord.